Welcome back to Partnerships Unraveled, the podcast where we unravel the mysteries of partnerships and channel on a weekly basis. My name is Rick van der Bos, and I'm the CEO and founder of Chenext, and I'm here together with Alex Whitford, VP Partners at Chenext. Alex, how are you doing today? Yeah, really good. One day before I go on annual leave to get married, so uh, yeah, uh, nerves are high, but apart from that, we're doing well. I, I can imagine uh, the big day next week. Uh, yeah, yeah, seven days, and yeah, I'll be a husband. That's, uh, that's a crazy thought. Very happy for you. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm excited. Love it. Well, uh, let's dive into the into the topic of uh, of today because uh, lately we've seen a lot of uh, LinkedIn posts, a lot of chatting, also between the two of us, but also with customers around the topic of of time to value in partnerships and the importance of it. And and what would you say? What what would your definition of time to value be? Yeah, so time to value is is the metric that we see a lot in uh, sort of direct sales, which is sort of time to first deal. And I think that's a really good metric to sort of position within the channel. So when is that first revenue achieved by a newly onboarded partner? Yeah, so so how do you bring them as soon as possible from signing the partner agreement to that moment where they have that first win, that milestone of signing the first deal? Yeah, and, and that's important for a couple of reasons. I think there's an internal reason and an external reason. The internal reason is it's a metric that you can discuss internally around, okay, we recruited this partner and their TTV was three months and our TTV average is going down. And that's a really great barometer to sell internally around the success of your new partner program or your new philosophy or your new approach. Um, But today we're going to discuss the external reason, which is why it's important for the partner, right? And there's a couple of reasons. Revenue drives engagement, engagement drives revenue, that's a circle. And that TTV is that first view on, on that first deal. That's something to work towards and something to celebrate. We often talk about in customer success, the renewal is driven, uh, is one in the onboarding. The same is true within partnerships, which is the sort of success long term is one within the onboarding. And in some ways, the onboarding is finished to a degree or there's the set you enter the second phase of onboarding once you've hit TTV, once you've closed that first deal. Yeah, I think it's very close there. And if you look at customer success, but also more maybe more general in life, it's really that first impression, right? Like someone gets on board, you are massively excited. That's always like when you build up towards signing the partner agreement, you get more and more excited together with your partner. But then I think that's what we see a lot. If you haven't got that piece sorted properly and the partner doesn't feel that excitement and that engagement, then the engagement will drop and you will lose the partner again. Well, what's crucial there in that time to value is, okay, how can we speed up that process as much as possible where we get the partner from our first touch point to eventually getting their first revenue because that's where you will get into a more self-sustainable way of working so to say because then they are excited they start looking for customers they start closing customers and you get more in like a, a real partnership but in the beginning you're very much like getting to know each other and really working towards finding the the, the, the right fit there yeah 100 percent. i think we we speak a lot about this in entrepreneurship that naivety bias when you first start something you go oh my god it's gonna be so easy we're gonna you know we're gonna become a billion dollar company in three years and it's everything is really easy because you don't understand the challenge is the same is true of the partnership, right? When people sign a new vendor, they go, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to conquer the world. Everything's going to be easy. And then through the onboarding and through those first initial sales cycles, you realize, oh, okay, there's challenges that we didn't understand fully. And now we understand them. Our perception and our understanding means, okay, this is going to be a lot more difficult than we first thought. That TTV is so critical because that's the win. That's the, okay, 
we're through those the initial challenges. We've got some revenue flowing into the business. That drives engagement. That drives continuous progress. That drives excitement. And so shortening that onboarding period to as, as, as small as possible to drive towards TTV is critical. I also liked what you were saying about time to value for internal reporting, because of course a lot of our listeners are also building their program or creating a new program. And then it's always internally, right? Reporting on the ROI and what do we see as a result of there? So that TTV actually is a brilliant metric to focus on, especially in the beginning of building your partner program, because you can massively increase the uh, speed there in terms of showing internally like, hey, look guys, I'm bringing a lot of partners in a short period of time towards their first revenue, which is first revenue for us as a program as well. Yeah, you know, and and I think more and more as we get into discussing channel and discussing partnerships in total, we're able to draw similarities to other forms of business. But when we look at our, you know, as Chanex's pipeline, we measure a few different things, right? And one of them's deal velocity, which realistically is the same metric as TTV. And it's you will make changes to speed up deal velocity because it's important. It helps you grow more effectively. TTV is exactly the same way. We've done loads of podcasts around the importance of driving more data into the channel and how that can allow you to be very, very precise with your actions. And so if you're not measuring TTV today, you should be, because that's going to get a really clear understanding. How quickly can we scale when we need to? And then how much effort do we need to put into the onboarding? And if that is six months, and actually we think it can be three months, you want to be working very, very hard to streamline that process so you get to TTV more effectively. Yeah, I agree there. And I think it's also a really great uh, metric actually within your program to continuously measure. I think if I look at us here at Chenex, for example, we are onboarding hundreds of partners as well per month. And what we see there is that what we are measuring is also time to value, which for us is a partner that actually connects. And I think that's a great way, for example, for me as a CEO that I have like, an, I'm not in the uh, I don't know it exactly on a daily basis, of course, like how are we doing it, etc. But it's a brilliant way for me of seeing, like is the time to value shortening there like for the partners? Because then we know that we are, our messaging is getting better. We are helping the partners quicker. It's getting easier for them. So like there are a lot of learnings there when you see that it's continuously decreasing or the other way around, of course, when it's increasing, is it like, hey, do we need to tweak some things again? Yeah, 100%. And in even, you know, we do deal analysis on our side and we see that, oh, actually deal velocity is different for outbound deals as opposed to inbound deals. Well, understanding those metrics and not just measuring TTV, but the impact of TTV, what what affects that differently. If inbound partners are onboarding really quickly, well, great, then maybe we need to focus on more two-partner marketing so that people go, Oh, actually, I'd love to sell this brand. That speeds up. Uh, that speeds up TTV. That speeds up conversion. That speeds up growth. Those are all the measurement points you want to understand, and then you can become a very strategic program director, right? Where you go, I'm going to make these three precise changes to impact not just the top line number, not just the breadth of partners, not just the depth of partners, but time to value as well, because that's going to drive sustainable growth. Yeah, I think I dare to say that time to value is the number one metric you should measure in the partner onboarding phase. Yeah, I think so, because I think um, if your TTV is really short, you know you can scale wider. If your TTV is really long and you've got lots of manual intervention, because typically that's why TTV will be quite a long process, then you know you can't scale wide, right? And we talk a lot about only scale what's winning, you know, only scale what works. And so if you're going, oh, well, it takes us nine months to get the first deal over the line, 
well, that's okay if that's, you know, if a, if a sales cycle is seven months, well, okay, that means it's two months to onboard and then from there you get first deals in. But really you want to make that as short as possible, as automated as possible, because then you can scale wide. And if, if I try to put myself in the shoes of a partner for a moment, that's literally the number one thing they want as well. Like we always keep saying it, right? Where revenue goes, attention flows. And that's so true in the channel. So within that onboarding phase, that's like your first impression and you can only make one first impression. So like you get a new partner on board and the quicker you can bring them to time to uh, time to revenue and time to value there, then the better you actually engage them as well because the f- partner then feels that buzz. Well, if it's the other way around and the time to value is very long, then at a sor- certain moment, the partner gets distracted, they become unhappy and they start looking at other vendors because maybe there they feel they can do the actual revenue. So the quicker you can get that traction, the more engaged you will get your partners. Yeah, exactly. And I think you want to be focusing on the dynamics that drive that forward very effectively, right? It becomes, once you're measuring that data and once you understand how you can influence the market, you can prioritize the partner's benefit. And the partner's benefit is revenue. It's always revenue. They want to see growth very quickly. And that's why I love working within the channel because we're actually all on the same team, right? Partner's win is my win and vice versa. And so let's gear our partner program to make us successful by making the partner successful. Yeah, your partner success. The partner success is your success, right? Yeah, there we go. It's on our t-shirts. It's on our branding. We love. It. We love that message. <laughs> love it. I think uh, what I was thinking to just make this a super practical and tactical podcast as well. So I think it's quite clear why time to value is so important. And I would just like to brainstorm a little bit, like what kind of things can you do to reduce the time to value? And maybe let's start with once you have signed the partner agreement. Or like you always say, it starts before that a little bit already. But what's the first thing that you need to have in place to make sure you uh, get the right time to value there? Yeah, the number one thing you want to do to improve uh, time to value is set clear expectations, right? That's the first thing you always have to start with. If your projected time to value is three months, tell them it's three months. Because then that puts a gate on the actions that need to be done leading to that deadline. We talk a lot uh, within the business and it's, it's part of the mentorship program that I run around what makes up a business plan. Three things. Where are we going? How are we going to get there? And how long will it take? You need to define how long will it take because then you can define the steps to getting where you're going, right? And so TTV is first deal. Then you work backwards in terms of deadline. What are the individual steps that we need to take to get to there effectively? That's going to involve training, marketing, sales enablement, content, all of the pieces together. But you're working back from that deadline. So you really start with a partner success plan there, indeed with those very clear expectations. I I really like what you're saying, like tell them where the finish line is because that's always very motivating, right? That you know where you are working towards, but also when do you need to get there? Just as when you are running a marathon, you want to do it within four hours, then you run very, very fast in the end to make sure you get it to four hours. And I, I think that's really the thing there I need. Like if you have those very clear expectations, but also the milestones in between, so you can have some wins because usually in partnerships, the time to value is not two weeks. So it's very important to keep that momentum, right? That you have the in-between wins as well of certain actions of maybe a first demo towards a first uh, prospect together and things like that. I think there's a lot to to win there if you do that properly because oftentimes we sign the partner agreement and then hope that the success will follow, but it's actually the other way around. You need to start with what the success needs to look like 
and then work in the process to make sure you get the success. Yeah, and be able to course correct as you go, right? Very rarely will an automated plan work at scale flawlessly. In fact, when I say rarely, I mean literally never, right? That doesn't work. But just simple maths for you. If there's 10 steps in a plan, you need to get it done within 12 weeks. You're averaging a plan every week, uh, every step every week, right? And then what happens if between week four and week six, you haven't done any movement for whatever, someone's on holiday or something wasn't done, something fell through the cracks. You need an alert system, whether that's automated or manual, to flag to someone to say, we are behind track now. We need to work twice as fast for the next couple of weeks to get back on track and really drive the progression forward. And having that measurement system, you know, I talk a lot when we talk about how to build a business plan, where are we going, how are we going to get there, and when are we going to get there by, think of yourself like a sat-nav, right? A sat-nav does a few things, tells you the direction, tells you when you're going to get there, but it course corrects when you deviate from the path. Oh, you took a wrong turn, I need you to turn, turn around. That's important whenever you build a business plan because no one will follow the map flawlessly. Yeah, and I think there, what triggers me there, indeed, uh, first of all, what's a sat-nav? That's, that's a oh, new word for me. <laughs> oh, sat, sat-nav is, um, yeah, it's like Google Maps. So yeah, that's an old word. I'm showing my age now. Sat-navs don't exist. It's just what your iPhone does. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but I, I really like the analogy. And I think there's a lot to learn there. And then what, what, my question at the moment, so you have the plan, you also have the, the triggers. And what do you then, what's like the ideal reporting and like meeting cadence with your partners during that onboarding to get them to that time to value? Yeah, exactly. And the other bit you want to do is roles and responsibilities, right? Because the vendor's going to play a role, a distributor may play a role, and a partner's going to play a role. And that's also a cross-functional role. It's salespeople, it's marketing people, it's technical, it's operations, right? And so you want, whether that's a RACI document, whether it's a Gantt chart, you want the mechanism to be able to break down all of those steps with clear deadlines, with clear roles and responsibilities, with a clear action plan for each of those steps. It becomes very, very easy to to execute if the plan is very detailed and the best way to make the plan detailed enough if you want a litmus test give it to someone who doesn't work in the channel get them to explain it back to you if they can't explain it back to you your plan's not good enough right it's the old albert einstein quote if you if you can't teach a six-year-old the thing and then get that six-year-old to teach another six-year-old you didn't explain it well enough and i like that philosophy because it forces the program manager or the program director or the salesperson to be able to outline incredibly clearly all of the steps and that's one of the things then it becomes very easy to automate because you've broken down exactly what you need to do yeah i think with roles and responsibilities that's actually a very uh, good tip as well like if you look at the partner journey and you are looking especially then at the beginning of the partner journey you're onboarding like how do you get your partners to time to value as quick as possible you need to figure out which stakeholders do you need in which part of the partner journey because if, if, if you find out that and you know, okay, we, I know I need to do these five steps to get my partners from signing the agreement to their first revenue, but in what order do you need them and which stakeholders do you need early on? Because if you know that in the second step you need sales and sales you haven't networked into the sales team of the partners yet, then you are already for sure going to get delayed there in that part of the onboarding. So that's also a thing you can be super proactive in if you have such a clear success plan, but also a clear view of your partner journey. Who do I need to involve at what time to get my partner to success and time to value as soon as possible? Yeah, 1000%. I can't tell you how many partner plans have fallen over because we didn't get the right senior stakeholder by it. Not just stakeholder buy-in, oh, we didn't get sales. You know, suddenly, oh, we need sales to do this. And the sales director goes, 
I've never, I've never even heard of this brand. I've never approved that we were doing this. And it was someone else within the business who said, oh, we need to go this direction or vice versa. Sales want to do it. But CEO's not bought in. Marketing's not bought in. Tech's not bought in. And suddenly, step six, seven, and eight, which sit with tech, we're going, well, no, I've got other priorities. And so getting senior buy-in, making sure that everyone is baselined on the plan, everyone has very clear expectations, but why they are doing it as well, then it's much easier to get the buy-in, right? It's not just, oh, we think this is a good brand. We think this brand is going to deliver us X amount of value over this much time. That's why clear expectation setting is so important. Yeah, I, I like that executive stakeholder as well. And it makes me think of how we do sales, for example. Like we're always look, asking our customers, like what does the buying process look like? Who needs to be involved? I think that's a crucial part pre-signing the agreement as well, that you really get a very clear view of your partner. What does your partner process usually look like in terms of collaboration? Who needs, who needs to be involved? Who are the key influences in your organizations that make uh, vendor relationships successful or less successful. And I think then very quickly, you will find out what you say, who are, are the executive stakeholders as well, who are the salespeople, et cetera. And you have like a full account map of your partner already before you even start the partner agreement. And that will really help you to be very strategic and proactive in your approach towards them. Yeah, what, what's, what's interesting there is you touched on, we asked obviously buying questions, right? In terms of, oh, who, who's got to sign this off? When does this need to go to legal? That's actually one step. The other step that we always do is here's the operational rollout, right? Here's when we're going to recruit partners in Germany versus here's when we're going to recruit partners in the US versus Australia. And we roll that out. Sometimes that plan is a three-year recruitment and enablement and driven plan. That's done pre-contract. Why? Because we know a fast start is critical to success. And so we want the stakeholders bought in before the contract's even done. Because that allows us within month one to already start to deliver some level of progress and some level of value. The amount of times I see a contract signed in December, nothing's happened in March. Guess what? You shouldn't have signed the contract. Because if nothing's happened for three months, you've now got to go and get buy-in. And you're actually starting from a negative position because people have already written you off to some degree. So again, TTV is so important for that reason. And you want to be doing that not just in the onboarding process ahead of even signing. Yeah, I like that. And I think it's also very uh, similar there to direct sales where you really want to have everything on the table before you sign and have the start date of your contract because they are going to evaluate you from the start date of your contract. That's literally also in partnership. And that's also, again, with that time to value. If you if you know, like, w they are not going to do anything until the 1st of February, put the start date on 1st of February with a very clear success plan. Make sure you have all the stakeholders there. And then you can like really kickstart very quickly and also like show your partner all the time. Hey, look at this. We're only two weeks in. We already have done this, this and that. Or we're one month in. We're already achieved this result. And I think there you can really show the partner and your internal uh, team as well, the success that you're having there. Yeah, and under promise over deliver, right? I know it's, a, it's an overused and almost obvious statement, but if you set out a 12-week plan um, and you set the expectations on 12 weeks, Build some fat into that plan so that you know you're going to hit a 12-week deadline and then try and hit it in eight, right? Don't just move the deadline forward and use that as a time pressure to move the process in a way that's going to fail expectations internally and externally. And I think you raise a really great point. When you're doing direct sales, you sign a contract. The contract has a start date, therefore has a billing date, right? And so there is an incumbency on that agreement to deliver value very, very quickly. Because if you're paying for it and you've not made any progress for three months, that's how you churn. 
What's interesting is some people don't take the same level of care with a partnership because there's no billing involved, right? The partner, you're not charging the partner anything and therefore, oh, we can move a bit slower. What you don't realize is resource, expectation and opinion are the cost that you're paying, right? If you're using up tech resource that could be being done elsewhere and then there's no value driven from that in a quick period of time, you have cost the partner money and that partner's perception will drop and that will impact your ongoing relationship. So regardless of if there's dollars flowing between you and the partner, there is a cost associated. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great one. And that's also how they are continuously evaluating you there. And just while we were talking, I got a, a tip, I think, for our listeners in my mind where I'm thinking, okay, how do you speed up time to value as quick as possible? Align your partner onboarding journey as much as possible with your customer journey. And that's what I see going wrong a lot or going wrong. Like that it's, I think it should have a different approach because what do we see as soon as a partner gets on board? We start with the technical training so people understand the product. Then we start doing some sales enablement so the salespeople can talk about it. And only then we start thinking about, okay, can we do some marketing, etc. Well, if you look at what a customer journey looks like, you first do marketing to find new customers. Then you do sales to close customers. And then you get implementation and customer success where you need the technical knowledge as well. And that's something where I'm thinking about a lot in partner onboarding journey we should swap a lot of things. Yeah. So we should start with marketing, find customers together as, as soon as possible. So create a joint value proposition, send that out to your combined end users, make sure you get new meetings, conversations, etc. During that process parallel, make sure you enable the salespeople in the correct way. So yes, of course, do some product training, but only the things they really need to know to position it. And only then start doing all the technical training, etc. So you're ready once that first deal is signed to actually provide value as well and implement it. And I think if you align your partner journey with your customer journey there, there's a lot of value for the partner and for the end user. Yeah, and there's a really key reason why people don't do that the way you're talking, which I think is the right way. And that's because there is a lack of support given to partners, right? So partners don't want to market something that then lands at a salesperson who doesn't know the problem or the product or they sell the product and the technical team aren't there to do pre and post sale support because they're not onboarded, right? And so you can absolutely understand why partners go, nope, I need tech onboarding first because they're going to need to be able to support the product. Then I need sales and then I need marketing. Obviously, horrendous for TTV, right? Because like you say, that means we're going to do six months of work and then we're going to start marketing the product, right? Well, okay, then it's a three-month sales cycle. That's how you get a nine-month TTV, and you're right, you want to do it the other way around, but partners are going to be super defensive to say, no, we're not doing that because what I'm going to get a bad reputation then because we don't know how to technically support it or sell it effectively, right? How do you solve that? Easy. The vendor has very clear expectations with the partner. Here's how we will support you for the first two, three, four, five deals from a technical perspective. And here's how we will support you for the first two, three, four, five deals from a sales perspective, Oh, great. I can just hand the opportunity over to you. We'll co-sell it together. We can, in fact, use that as a training experience tip. Um, oh, and then a technical perspective. We can use that as a training experience tip. Right, that's the whole purpose. Then you can invert the entire game, start marketing day one. And then as the opportunities start being generated, you've got a co-sell and a co-tech uh, uh, proposition and it becomes super, super tangible. That's how you radically shorten TTV. It's a great point, Rick. 
Yeah, I also like this last one because what what you get there again as as uh, comparable as when you onboard a new customer. In the beginning, you have much more touch points than later on, and I think there's a lot to learn there from your three x three rule. Would you share that with the, our listeners as well? Like, how could you implement the three? What is the three x three rule, and how could you implement that in your partner onboarding journey? Sure, it's a it's a philosophy that I have for management, and it's also a philosophy I have for sort of channel drivers because I think it's the same thing. So um, there's a nine step process to fully delegate something down, and it's three by three by three. Um, and so what I do is we'll sit together and we'll co-sell a proposition. And so we'll go into a meeting, but you won't do any talking. I will do all the talking, all the sales, all the process for the first three steps. Then for the next three meetings, we'll do it about 50-50. And uh, you'll try and take on much more of the conversation. And then for the next three meetings, you'll do all the conversation. I won't say a word. I'm there as a supporting mechanism if needed. But realistically, I shouldn't have to say anything because we've done six meetings together and I just feed back afterwards. What's really great about that is after for the 10th meeting, I don't need to be involved. It's fully delegated. It's a great way to train people in your business and it's an even better way to chain, train businesses. And like you say, what's great about marketing first is we can do the three by three by three because they're there, right? They're there. We can actually get on the pre-sales call together. We can get on the post-sales call together. We can do an installation together that speeds up TTV, speeds up vendor growth, but it also gets partner buy-in just absolutely rocketing. Yeah, I think that's that's a great one because then you can start marketing immediately, but give your partner the the uh, also the assurance like, hey, don't worry, I'm, I'm going with you. All the first calls we're going to have, we're going to do the sales together, et cetera. I'm going to teach you as well but you can like massively increase that that time to value because actually you push it forward like maybe it should be your first milestone we communicate to our customer base together that we have this new partnership that we're going to launch it etc and from there on don't worry i'll make we'll make sure to uh, uh, allocate some resources for you to join sales calls if we need it we can even put uh, like a technical engineer or sorry a a sales engineer from us in those uh, uh, in those calls and i think they're you have the assurance for the partner that they are not worried of that and the advantage for you as a vendor and the partner that you start going to market as soon as possible. Yes, and and this is why TTV is such a, an important thing to track within your channel, which I'll be honest, I would suggest about 95% of businesses aren't tracking TTV at all. They're tracking deal reg, they're tracking revenue, they're tracking growth, but they're not tracking the efficacy of widening their channel base and a great way to widen your channel base is to is to reduce TTV and all the sort of areas that we've discussed today I think are phenomenal barometers to bring that forward but it's focusing on that partner proposition right it's focusing on getting the partner successful as quickly as possible that's why TTV is such a great barometer the term success of partnerships is created during the onboarding and that a successful onboarding is created by decreasing the time to value as much as possible Thank you very much, Alex, uh, for today. Enjoy your wedding next week. Thank you to our listeners and uh, see you next week.